Hello and welcome back to the Locked On Buckeyes podcast. I am Kyle Lamb, your host. Thank you for giving us a listen again. As usual, I have plenty to discuss today. I hope you will stick around for the entire show. First and foremost, I'm going to tell you why Ohio State has one thing that concerns me going forward. I've mentioned it on past shows. I've dug deep into the analytics. I'm going to show you the incredible improvement that the Buckeyes have made from last year to this year, but there is one thing they are not doing that should be a little bit of concern. I'm not saying go jump off bridges or expect a doomsday scenario, but there's one thing they can do better. I'll tell you what it is coming up here in a few minutes. Also, the Ohio State basketball team had its first public exhibition game against Cedarville University. They won 95-52. I did drop 10 bucks to watch this game on BTN+. I'll tell you what I liked and what I didn't like about Ohio State basketball in its first time out to the public. There are some things to be really excited about, but there are a few concerns. I'll go over those later in the show. And at the end, by the way, Ohio State may be back in on a five-star recruit that committed elsewhere. We'll talk about that. I'll give my opinions on whether or not you should be excited about that. This is the Locked On Buckeyes podcast. You can hear us on many, if not most, or all of your favorite podcasting platforms. Those include Apple and iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio. You can also hear us by saying, play the Locked On Buckeyes podcast on your smart speakers. You can hear me on my own podcast platform, Unscripted Ohio, with all our other Buckeyes and Ohio sports content as well. Be sure to look up Unscripted Ohio. If you want to continue to listen to me on both platforms, that would be tremendous. Locked on Buckeyes is sponsored in part by Buckeye Grove. For all the latest news, analysis, opinions, and insight on Ohio State football and basketball, please visit BuckeyeGrove.com. We're also sponsored by JFQ Lending. All of your mortgage and refinance needs should be handled by a Buckeye. Licensed in 33 states and more on the way. Check them out at jfqlending.com. Finally, we are also supported by GoBus. Ride to over 40 stops across Ohio, connecting rural communities to Columbus, Cleveland, and Cincinnati. Get to Ohio State games with GoBus and bring comfort back to traveling. Visit them at ridegobus.com. So, you know, the fact that I can go through a year-over-year comparison of Ohio State football and come up with uh, really only one weakness for a team or one concern, that's really pretty incredible, right? You've got to be loving where Ohio State is sitting right now as we are in the second bye week of this 12-game regular season. By the way, if you're wondering, I know many of you have noticed the second bye week, and obviously it's not your favorite thing in the world, and you're probably wondering why there is a second bye week. Don't worry, this is not something that is going to become commonplace. It just happened to be a scheduling glitch. The way the NCAA structures its season, it has a predetermined start week and a predetermined end week. And it just so happened because of an extra day in the calendar, the way it worked out, it stretched out one additional week. 
It's a very formulaic approach to the rules. So they didn't just decide arbitrarily that they were going to add an additional bye week or open date, if you prefer that terminology. They didn't just randomly decide they were going to add that this year. It just happened to work out that way. We'll be back to a one bye week season next year for college football. So don't worry. It's not going to become commonplace. It's just a weird thing that happened to work out this particular season. But anyhow, so as we're eight games through the season and we're doing the overview of Ohio State here while we're in the bye week, I went through and decided to do a statistical analysis of where Ohio State is and where they came from last year. And it really is amazing that there is only one thing I found statistically that is of concern. But it is the one thing that could come up against a better team, against better competition later in the year. And I don't want the podcast to be all rainbows and lollipops. We're going to talk about the concerns and the criticism too. It just so happens this year there really hasn't been much bad to talk about. So the show has come off overly optimistic. It seems like every day I'm talking about how something or someone is historically great. And that's not by accident. There are a lot of things to look at this team and just say, wow. It just makes you drop your jaw in excitement and amazement because a lot of things that this team is doing right now. Have you ever felt this good about an Ohio State team? I'm honestly curious. I'd love, love to hear your feedback on this. Uh, tweet at me at KYLAM8. Have you ever gotten the warm and fuzzies about any Ohio State football team during a season? National championships don't count. Obviously winning the Sugar Bowl against Alabama, then following it up with the championship against Oregon, beating Miami January 1st, 2003. January 4th, 2003, I think it was the, the exact date in the Fiesta Bowl. Those things don't count because national championships obviously give you warm and fuzzies. But have you ever felt this good in the middle of a season about a team? I think it's incredible. And, and I know some Ohio State fans probably have a little bit overconfidence. Maybe they're getting carried away, especially the under 30 crowd. No offense to you youngins out there. But if you didn't live through the the disappointments of the Michigan games in the 90s, those were especially crushing losses to the Ohio State fan base. Because 95, 96 especially, those two teams were really good for Ohio State. 95, 96, 97 was a little more expected because Ohio State didn't have as good of a team as they had the previous two years. But those three years in a row, 95, 96, 97, were really crushing losses. So anybody over 30 that remembers those, it doesn't matter how excited you get about this team. There's always going to be a little bit of trepidation going forward. That being said, there's no reason not to be all in on this group because they are doing things that we have not seen Ohio State teams do. So I want to know your excitement level. Where are you with this team? Have you ever felt this good about a team before? And maybe that scares the bejesus out of some of you. I don't blame you. Because it's always, you're vulnerable 
when you're really confident about a, a sports team. And you know a loss could be just around the corner. I mean, Penn State and Michigan are legitimate teams. They're good enough at beating Ohio State. Minnesota, who knows? I know some of you are rightfully skeptical about Minnesota, but that could turn out to be, if, if Ohio State gets to the Big Ten Championship, that could turn out to be a real test. Or playing Wisconsin a second time, or Iowa. And then, obviously, if they get to the college football playoff, you're playing another top-four team in any game you play. But I think Ohio State is legit. I've, I've ran all the numbers. We've talked about it many times. It is absurd the level of balance and completeness that this team has. I'm going to run some numbers. Before we get to the concern that I have, I'm going to run some numbers by you. Because if you really look at it in this context, it shows how much this team has improved. I think some of it is just year-over-year talent. I think some of it is opportunity. I think some of it is improvement. Some of it is additional personnel. Some of it is coaching. I think it's just a perfect storm that has happened for Ohio State. How we got to this point, I don't think there's any one answer. I don't think it's... You know, replacing Greg Schiano with Greg Madison. I don't think there's any one thing. I do think that Ryan Day is the perfect guy for this team in this season. That's nothing against Urban Meyer. But I think for whatever reason, the mentality of this team, the personality of this team, the analytics and the scheme itself, it just seems to mesh with Ryan Day better than it was under Urban Meyer. But you look, so let's start with the offense. The defense is, is where the headlines really lie with this team as far as improvement, but the offense has been incredible. They're averaging 48 points a game, which is up from 42 last year. Not a huge improvement, but six points is still pretty significant. The total yards are actually down in aggregate from 535 to 515, but the yards per play is actually up from 6.5 to 7. A lot of that is tempo. Some of that is uh, garbage time because Ohio State has made it so easy. They're really slowing the games down in the third and fourth quarters and just running the ball and running the clock. So that's why you're seeing the number, the, the total yards per game numbers being down a little bit. But here's what's amazing. This, if you look individually, rush and pass numbers, Ohio State, we all know that they're running the ball so much better than last year. Last year, they could not run the ball when it really mattered, and that killed them. They averaged 4.2 yards per rush last year, which was down, I, I think, I didn't go back and look year by year, but I think it's been 10 years since they ran the ball that poorly. Maybe it was 2011, but it was probably before that. But they're averaging 6.2 as a team this year. And J.K. Dobbins and Master Teague are both 1 and 2 in conference play in yards per carry. So Ohio State has been a dominant run team. But what really surprises people, I think, if you look at the pass game, for as good as Ohio State's pass game was last year under Dwayne Haskins, it hasn't taken a step back with Justin Fields. Sure, in aggregate yards and touchdown numbers, 
Justin Fields is going to come nowhere close to approaching the 5,000-yard, 50-touchdown season Dwayne Haskins had last year. But it's been just effective passing. They averaged 9.1 yards per attempt last year. They're averaging 9 yards attempt this year. So Justin Fields is just as efficient as Haskins has been. Maybe they haven't had as many big plays. They're not needing to pass as frequently. He's not putting up the gigantic yards. But when they need him to make plays with his arm, he's been able to do it. And then you add in the plays that he makes with his feet. You have a third down conversion that is insanely good. It's number one in the country right now, converting on 57% of their third downs. Last year was 47%. And I attribute that to the two things. They're able to run the ball efficiently and they have a quarterback that is able to make plays with his feet, both in avoiding sacks and just being able to execute a zone read, the bash play that Urban Meyer spoke of on Fox this past Saturday. So they're doing everything better pretty much on offense. And, of course, defense. Look, I don't need to tell you these numbers. You already can take a guess that they're pretty incredibly different defensive points per game is down from 25.5 last year to 7.9 this year yards per game 404 last year down to 225 this year yards per play 5.6 last year 3.4 this year specifically rushing 4.6 yards a carry last year 2.6 this year seven yards per attempt last year in the past game down to five this year sack percentage is up from 7.7% last year to 13.5% this year, which is, as you probably imagine, number one in the country. The overall passing, the overall defense, big plays, which was a huge problem last year. They gave up 39 plays of 30 yards or more last season. That is down to five through eight games so far. It has been a tremendous defense. The, the, Defense is the most complete in the country right now of of any team, bar none. But what I like about Ohio State, too, is the minimal, consistent improvements in every facet of the game offensively and the widespread, incredible improvement on the defensive side of the ball. It's it's the little things, like the penalties per play. It was .05 last year. It's now down to .03 this year. The turnover margin is 0.4 last year. It's up to 1.4 this year. The punts are down from 4.4 to 3.1 on average per game. But that comes with an increase of four additional net yards per punt this year. The field goal percentage up from 72% last year to 78%. Blake Hobiel, his last two attempts have been made 49 and 55 yards. So all across the board, Ohio State has shown improvement, except this is the one area, and I mentioned it a couple times. I mentioned it last week, and I mentioned it on the Monday show, I think. There is one area of concern, and that's protecting the quarterback. Pass protection. Right now, Ohio State is 103rd in the country in offensive sack percentage. That means most sacks allowed. They are only 103 out of 130. They're giving up 
sacks on 8.4% of their pass attempts. Now that in itself is not historically bad. 2012, they were at 9.5%. 2011, they were actually dead last in FBS and protecting the quarterback. 15.8% of their pass attempts resulted in sacks. That was 120 out of 120 in FBS that year. But the 8.4% right now in taking sacks is actually the worst they've had since 2012. I attribute this to two things. I think it's the pass protection itself, especially that right side of the line. I think it can get a little better. In my opinion, they've been a little shaky in picking up blitzes, handling stunts. I don't see a big problem with just sheer one-on-one protection necessarily. It really has been recognizing the blitzes and the stunts and that sort of thing. And I think the other part of it is Justin Fields still continues to go through his development in recognizing the blitz and recognizing the when the pocket is about to break down. The really good quarterbacks feel that and sense that before it actually happens. I don't think Fields is there in his development just yet. The incredible thing, though, is that it is only 8.4% despite, or that it is 8.4% despite the fact that he's a magician in avoiding sacks. I, I have a feeling if this were Dwayne Haskins right now, This pass protection, I don't want to say it would be double what it is right now because maybe Haskins would have sensed some of those blitzes. But if they're having a hard time protecting Justin Fields, who is really, really versatile, able to escape pressure because of those strong legs and great balance, then I can only imagine what would happen if if Dwayne Haskins were quarterbacking right now you might see 14, 15, 16% sack rate. So that has to get better. If, if you're going to ask me, what is the number one concern with this team right now? It's that. Because last year, they were only giving up, they were keeping Haskins clean at an incredible rate. They only got sacked 3.9% of the time last year. That is That was 15th in the country. So... There is just one area of concern on this team right now, and it's that. It's pass protection. I do personally think it's going to get better. I think Fields is going to continue to sense that with more experience and more reps. I don't think that the one-on-one pass protection has been bad. I think it's the recognition of the stunts, of the blitzing, and things that teams have to do to try to create chaos for Ohio State. Because they can't just sit back in a zone or sit back in man defense and just let Ohio State pick them apart. Their only way of beating Ohio State right now is to try to get pressure on fields and try to sack him or try to force a turnover. That's the only thing they can do to beat Ohio State. And I think Ohio State will handle it better I don't think this is going to be a long-term issue, but it is something that has got to get better. So that, if I'm looking at Ohio State right now, is the one area of concern. The sack rate has to get better. Pass protection in general needs to get better. 
both the line protecting fields and fields recognizing the pressure when it comes. Coming up next, Ohio State basketball had its first exhibition of the first and only public exhibition of the season, beating Cedarville 95-52. I watched the game on BTN Plus on a stream. I'll tell you my thoughts about Ohio State basketball. And then coming up later, Bijan Robinson, five-star running back, maybe not long for his Texas commitment. We'll discuss that as well. If you are a sponsor, heads up. Locked on Buckeyes is looking for you to join us. We're growing, and there's room for you to grow your business with us by taking advantage of competitive sponsorship rates and concentrated demographics. Please join us. If this piques your interest, make sure you email us, lockedonbuckeyes at gmail.com, to learn more about how the Locked on Buckeyes podcast can benefit you. If you were unable to watch the Ohio State basketball exhibition game last night against Cedarville, and I know many of you were not because it was not televised, and I'm sure a lot of you decided it was not worth your personal money and resources to invest $10 in watching an exhibition game. So good news. I'm going to recap what I saw in that exhibition since you were unable to. By the way, if you did invest the $10 for a monthly subscription to BTN Plus to watch Ohio State with the team pass, you will get one additional game this month before you inevitably probably cancel your subscription. I'm not telling you to cancel. That's your choice to make. But if you are going to, there is a game coming up later in November against Purdue-Fort Wayne that will be televised on BTN Plus. So you will get one exhibition and one regular season contest with that $10 that you're spending. That's just a heads up for any of you that want to drop the $10 to see Ohio State play a regular season game later this month. So for those of you that did not attend the game or did not see it stream, I'll recap real quickly what I saw. I'm not going to say it was all pretty. It started off very slow at the under eight timeout of the first half. Ohio State was actually trailing by a point, 23-22. couple things that I saw that did not go well. A little bit of sloppiness, some turnovers, careless turnovers. That's expected from a young team, an inexperienced team. It is the first exhibition game of the season. They did have the scrimmage against Louisville that I mentioned last week. Or earlier this week, I guess is when I mentioned it, it was played last week. But they're still very early in the season, so you're going to have the sloppiness. The defensive communication, I thought, could have been better early on. They got better as the game went along, but the closeouts on three-pointers, the switching, um, lack of boxing out by the defenders, that could have been a little bit better. Cedarville did really good job getting the weak side rotations in order to get up three-pointers against Ohio State to date. I didn't think the Buckeyes handled that very well. So that's a concern. The turnovers, as I mentioned, and the outside shooting. I think that was my biggest concern, at least in this particular game. Ohio State went 6 of 19 from three-point range. Dwayne Washington, not going to sugarcoat it, he didn't look very good. He was sloppy. Uh, He didn't shoot the ball well. I thought he really did a poor job picking and choosing when to attack the rim. He and Luther Muhammad both actually got blocked quite a few times at the rim on layup attempts. 
And this is a Cedarville team. Don't get me wrong. They're actually a good Division II program. But if you're getting blocked at the rim on layups by by a Division II team, then you can imagine how that could be problematic down the road against Big Ten teams. We're talking, you've got Kentucky and North Carolina on the schedule. You've got Villanova on the schedule, as well as the Michigan States of the world. There are a lot of teams on this schedule that are going to be much bigger, much stronger, much more athletic, longer, better defensive teams. So that, that I think, is a concern. They've got to get better about going to the rim with authority. But the shooting has to get better, too. Ohio State has to get production out of Luther Muhammad and Dwayne Washington offensively. The good news for Ohio State is point guard, which was a big problem last year for Ohio State, is not going to be a problem this year. C.J. Walker was a very steady Eddie, handled the ball very well. He got the team into the offense, looks very comfortable, great defensive player. He's going to be a fan favorite because he plays hard and he plays smart. I thought he did a great job settling Ohio State down a few times when they had a little bit of a bad run, both offensively and defensively. Now, where C.J. Walker is going to be the the guy that steadies the offense, D.J. Carton, oh boy, ladies and gentlemen, D.J. Carton is coming to a television near you, a highlight reel near you. D.J. Carton had 15 points and five assists in about 19 minutes of action, and that guy is going to excite you at times this season to the level that you've seen from D'Angelo Russell, Mike Conley, Aaron Kraft. I'm not saying he's as good as those players right now. He's obviously his own man. He's, he's got different strengths and different weaknesses. But this is a guy that gets the ball up the floor very quickly. He's deadly in the open floor. He's a great passer. He could have easily had 10 assists last night had, he, had his teammates made a couple of layups and made a couple of jumpers on some really good passes that he made. But he is a great point guard. You're talking about a guy that, ha- that caught an alley-oop pass for a dunk last night as a point guard. How many point guards at Ohio State have you seen that from? He is a really good athlete, gets up. Like I said, he can slam at home. He's a good shooter, good ball handler. Ohio State has gone from a team that really struggled to handle the ball, lacking a true point guard last year, to having two really good true point guards. Very different point guards, but true point guards. Walker is the steady Eddie. Carton is the big play guy. The one that can propel Ohio State to a 10-0 run, a 12-0 run, 15-0 run. So it's going to be a nice combination. And the other part of this equation is that Ohio State has a legitimate front court. Caleb Wesson, a lot has been made public about his weight loss, losing 30 pounds, and he looks as good as I've ever seen him. He's really going to be conditioned better to handle the beating in the post. Actually, ironically, if there is one concern I have about the weight loss is that uh, can his new slender, slimmer body handle the beating as well as he could in the past? We'll see if that holds up. 
but he's definitely more agile, better footwork, quicker. And I got to tell you this, he could always make a three-pointer. Last year, he made them fairly regularly. He looks like a really good shooter right now. He's got a soft, feathery touch, steps into a shot. He was three of four from three-point range last night in his 23 points and seven rebound performance. If, if Wesson continues to shoot like that with his skills as a post player, it's really going to make Ohio State dangerous. And Kyle Young had 15 points and nine rebounds, kind of as the backup post slash power forward. EJ Lydell, a true freshman, I've talked about him. He had nine points and I think four rebounds in limited action. This is a really, really talented front court. I love Lydell. Kyle Young is going to be a really good player. I like that they can back up Caleb Wesson and go to a smaller lineup because that improves the defensive versatility and they'll be able to switch all screens one through five, which is a great asset to have. So while last year it was vital that Caleb Wesson remained on the floor, I think it's still good to have him out there. He still needs to be playing 30 to 34 minutes a game because he's so good. But Ohio State can't afford to go smaller this year because they have more guys stepping up. Now, that is contingent, as I mentioned, on guys like Mohammed, Washington, Justin Ahrens being able to score at the two and three positions. They need scoring from that spot because they've got the point guard, they've got the post-scoring Now they just need the consistent production at the wing, and that is going to be the difference between being a top 25 team that sneaks into the NCAA tournament as an 8, 9, 10 seed, or potentially being a top 10 team that's a 2, 3, 4 type of seed. It's going to depend on Washington and Muhammad. Another thing that I was intrigued by last night is watching 7-footer Ibrahima Diallo, a freshman that came to Ohio State this year, from Prolific Prep in California. He is actually um, he's actually a Nigerian native. Really raw player, but in nine minutes of action, mostly in garbage time, but in nine minutes of action, he did get seven points and four rebounds. Now, again, this was against an undersized Division II team. Keep that in mind. But this guy is very talented. He's not a stiff. He's athletic. He's fairly coordinated for his size. He made a baby hook. He was 3 of 5 from three from the free throw line. Diallo is a very, very talented kid. He's got to improve his strength. He's got to improve his footwork. He's got a long way to go before he's a consistent producer for Ohio State. I don't see him being able to handle the grind of the Big Ten his freshman year. But I think down the line, this guy has got a lot of potential and will be very much a contributor for Ohio State basketball. So overall... Ohio State, I give this a B-minus performance. I love the two-point guard look with Walker and Carton, both individually and on the floor at the same time. I like Ohio State's front front court a lot. The wing, especially the guards, the scoring has got to be there. It wasn't there, but it's just one exhibition. But it's going to have to be better through the course of the season. That's the one area... If, if I'm just basing it off of one night, the one area of concern that I have, Luther and Dwayne must give them 
consistent scoring. Alonzo Gaffney was kind of a non-factor in this exhibition game. He looked lost at times, especially defensively. He's really talented. I think he's going to make plays throughout the course of the year. Once he gets some more experience, he'll be there. But the shooting and the scoring from the wing, that's where Ohio State, uh, I'm looking to get better. And if they do, this is going to be a really, really good team. Coming up in segment three, as I mentioned, Bijan Robinson making some signals that he might not stick with his Texas commitment. I'll tell you what that means for Ohio State in just a moment. Be sure to follow Locked on Buckeyes on Twitter at Locked on Buckeyes Singular. Follow me on Twitter at KYLAM8. Of course, you can listen to the show, as I mentioned, on all of your favorite podcasting platforms, Apple, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio. Play Locked on Buckeyes on your smart speakers. Uh, if you listen to a, a podcast somewhere, chances are you will find Locked on Buckeyes as well. B. John Robinson, five-star running back out of Tucson, Arizona, was listing Ohio State his leader back in the summer. It looked like he was going to wind up at Ohio State. Ended up going south, going sour for the good guys. He ends up committing to Texas. Last couple of days, last couple of weeks, there have been a lot of, there has been some speculation that he was not solid on his Texas commitment. On Tuesday, he gave an interview with Blair Angelo of 24-7 Sports, and B. John Robinson did not necessarily confirm that he is looking around, but in more, in few words or less, he did essentially confirm that. In one stanza, in one question, he stated three separate times that he was committed to Texas right now or committed to Texas at the moment. In recruiting terms, I can tell you this, having covered recruiting more on the basketball side, but football as well, but having covered recruiting in the past and knowing how some of these things work, major red flag if you're a Texas football fan right now. Bijan Robinson, in my opinion, is very much looking around. He said in the article that he was in contact constantly with Ryan Day and Tony Alford with Ohio State. In fact, went so far to mention that he had texted with them on Tuesday. I can't tell you if he is going to wind up at Ohio State. What I can tell you is that he was very, very high on Ohio State, and clearly he remains very high on Ohio State. Now, there could be a litany of reasons why he didn't end up with OSU in the first place. There was some speculation. It's distance. His, you know, his grandparents wanting them to see him play is a very big deal. There is some speculation that people around him wanted him at Texas. I know this about recruiting is it's never as simple as it seems. Just by reading an article, there's always more than meets the eye. I don't know if the underlying issues have gone away. My hunch is that he is not going to end up at Ohio State, even if that is his preference. The thing about recruiting is there are so many people involved. There are the parents. There are grandparents. There are siblings, cousins, aunts and uncles. Urban Meyer has famously remarked about the crazy uncles involved in recruiting. You see this thing a lot more, the street agents and bag men in college basketball recruiting, but that stuff happens in, in football recruiting too. 
sometimes there are crazy uncles, quote unquote, and they're not always actually uncles, but we just call them uncles. Sometimes those guys are pushing kids to other schools. Maybe there's money involved sometimes. Maybe there's not. But you get these influences involved in recruiting all the time. And so if you're a fan and you're reading an article about recruiting and you're saying, well, this sounds really optimistic and you can't piece together why the comments don't match the actions, it's usually because somebody's involved. And I, I don't actually mean that there is always money involved. That does happen sometimes, but I'm not suggesting that is always the case. But there can be crazy uncles involved in these recruiting processes that have a lot of say and have a lot of influence. And either they have their own selfish motivations or they have a vested financial interest, wink, wink. Sometimes it's just not as simple as saying, well, this is what the kid wants. Why isn't he doing it? If you look at Ohio State right now, the plane they're on with the run game, with Master Teague and J.K. Dobbins being one and two in the Big Ten in yards per rush, compare that to Texas. They're averaging 4.4 yards to carry as a team. If you're a big-time running back right now and you're watching Texas and you're watching Ohio State, I know who I'm picking if I'm a big-time recruit. Ohio State is putting its guys in position to be successful both in college and in the NFL. But it's not always that simple. You weigh the distance. You weigh the, the family preferences. You weigh the individual preferences of other people involved in, in Bijan's recruiting process. And it's not always that simple. Ballparking it, I don't think he ends up at Ohio State. I'm not saying he will or won't. I'm not ready to make a call. I just don't think he's going to wind up at Ohio State. But I will say this. Texas is very much in a struggle to keep him as a commitment. My guess would be USC. It could be Ohio State. It could be somebody else. But I don't think it's going to be Texas. That'll be interesting to watch. Maybe next week we'll have Mark Gibbler or Alex Gleitman on for a recruiting update, and we'll certainly ask that question. Does Bijan Robinson end up at Ohio State? My guess is no, but I'm not going to rule it out entirely. But I'm just saying, having been here before, there's always more than meets the eye. But what he is saying definitely should strike fear in Texas fans right now. That's going to wrap it up for Locked On Buckeyes. Make sure you catch us five days a week here on the Locked On Podcast Network. LockedOnPodcast.com. Catch me on Twitter at KYLAM8. That is going to do it for me. Tomorrow I've got Andrew Percival coming out to talk some geeky stuff. I want everybody to geek out about the nerdy stuff. we got analytics. Is Ohio State the best team of all time? Or at least the best program of all time? I'll tell you what his analytics say, and we'll get into the real championship contenders based on his analytics. All that and more coming up tomorrow on Lock on Buckeyes. Until then, have a great evening. Have a great day, a great evening. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. Thanks for listening, folks.